The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome back. It's time for another episode of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Michelle. And I'm Murray. Welcome back, everybody. 24 days until the rise of Skywalker. And it was... Oh, man. It was another insane week for Star Wars fans with, with new Rise of Skywalker content from EW and Rolling Stone magazine. And we had a new TV spot and posters... It was just a, an intense week all around, and we're still dealing with Fallen Order, uh, episodes of the, of the Mandalorian, Resistance, comics, uh, the Marvel runs wrapped up, Force Collectors out. It's it's literally a Star Wars buffet right now, and I I'm I'm failing miserably with keeping up with it all. But we're gonna do our best tonight uh, to bring you guys up to speed on what's going on in some of the the big ticket items in Star Wars. So let's let's. Uh, Let's touch base. Michelle, how are you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while, everyone. Hello. <laughs> I am alive. Um, barely, though. Like, um, <laughs> barely. You're podcasting from a ditch. Barely. I am. Surviving on pond I am. water. I am. I am. It's, it's very, very um, rugged out here. In, in the Alabama wilderness. Just kidding. Um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, it's awesome. Uh, it's nice. And uh, my life is now very, um, very distinctly uh, measured. Um, BBY, we have now designated <laughs> uh, very accurately the acronym for baby online um is before baby yoda and aby which is after baby yoda and that is how i measure time in my life now um yeah because like my whole life is all about that baby yoda life you know like i just i you know every day be baby yoda like you know what would baby yoda do like that is just (laughs) all all of the things in life can be solved with baby yoda cooing and and caressing, yeah, <laughs> the air and the force. I, I feel like that's a good place I mean, to end the podcast right there because that I we can't add <laughs> I can't add more. <laughs> and good night and scene. <laughs> Tumbling sabers, force shortest shortest t- podcast ever. But all the, all the <laughs> things needed to be said. <laughs> <laughs> Marie, how you doing? I'm good. Doing great. Um, I actually, you mentioned Force Collector. I just started reading it. I'm about 30% of the way through, and that book is amazing. You're enjoying it? Yes. Cool. I have not, I, I thought last week I'd run out to pick it up. Totally didn't even have a sniff at even attempting to pick it up. <laughs> But hey, one of these days, I, I just finished Resistance Reborn, which we're going to talk about tonight, and literally finished it last night. Cramming. I was like cramming for an exam. <laughs> yeah. 
But there's there's a ton. We have so much to talk about. I, I don't even really know where to start, but I think, what, 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 as always, before we get to the spoilery Mandalorian stuff, we'll start with uh, some of these news bits, these stories from Entertainment Weekly and Rolling Stone. And we're not going to rip them all apart because we just don't have the time. Uh, so, Michelle or Marie, I'm going to let you both pick one thing. Marie, I'll pass you the baton first. One thing from either of these news pieces that is that stood out to you, and let's let's see what you've got, and we'll kick that around for a bit. Okay. From the Rolling Stone article, um, the question was asked, and I really connect with this question, so I appreciated it. One thing you hear from people is that the character of Rey feels preternaturally gifted, even for a Jedi, that she learns things faster than, say, Luke Skywalker ever did. And JJ's answer was, yeah, spooky, right? Smiles. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's not an accident. And I was like, wait, what? What? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, that, so. and yes, I did make a note of that as well. So I'm glad we sort of had some commonality there. Like, people have had some difficulty accepting this. And that's led to some really ugly name-calling and really ugly debates online. Not, we don't need to get back into that, but right. all it says to me is that if if these people who have uh, evidently have no patience, if they maybe just wait to see how the story unfolds before mm -hmm. making up their minds, maybe it would have made sense. You know? Yeah. And I, I was appeased with the whole the little bit in the I think it was the, yeah, the last Jedi novelization where it said that when Kylo went into her mind, that it was like doors were unlocking in her mind. And she basically had all his training at that moment. Like that, that made sense to me. But that's like a paragraph in a novelization of a movie. So not many people, I you know, there's got to be more to it than that, because not that many people are actually going to read the novelization of a movie. Yeah, it, yeah, that kind of thing needs to be sort of highlighted in the movie, for sure. But let's not pretend that we know how the Force works, because it works however yeah. they want it to work. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, did anything jump out to you in either of these articles? Um, To me, I am really excited about uh i guess the one thing they did talk about um was the uh what's it um the training sequences and just how there's more uh just kind of like it'll just be kind of like more in, in her development and um like different skills that you'll see and um she talked about training and kickboxing and um just like the emotional acting of just Ray. I'm just yeah. really excited for more Ray development um, uh, because I feel like one of the things that I did feel like I wanted more of was that in The Last Jedi, um, just kind of like, I don't know, just more deeper into her psyche and um, emotional kind of like heavy lifting um, because this is just the end and I just really want... I don't know. I just want, I'm, I'm so excited just for her to kind of like become, you know, what it is that she's going to be at the end of this. Um, and, uh, anything that is involving her, uh, is kind of like me 
being like, um, oh, anything Ray, give me all the Ray intro. Um, so I'm just really excited about mm-hmm. that. Um, the new photos of Ray training with uh, the little um, the training robot and um, just all the photos from EW. Um, I was really excited about that. Um, also, the stuff about Carrie Fisher and um, how they said. Uh, I know this is two things, but, um, <laughs> you know, that they didn't want to just do a funeral because they felt it would be a cop out. So mm-hmm. I felt like that was kind of interesting. And um, it, it made me really excited to see what it is that they have in store um, because, you know, th- that's kind of what they said. So it makes me interested to intrigued as to, you know, what it is they have planned for Absolutely. us with Carrie because they have still said that this is Carrie's film because the first film was uh, Han's film the second film was Luke film Luke's film and the third film is supposed to be kind of Leia's film so and that's what they've said so and they still say that that's very much the case so um I'm really excited about that and that cover is amazing uh of the EW um issue so yeah the prequel I like, cover is beautiful. Yeah, the fold-out cover. I just, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the prequel, the, like, the uh, the OT and the current. Yeah. It just, Everything. I can't. I need them really all. Cool. I need them all, yeah. like, laid next to each other and put up on my wall, like, in a poster. The, that, they came out this week, I think. I the 28th, oh, I, I think, the hit stands. 28th, yeah. Which is, well, most people listening to this, if you hear it the day of release, that's today. Go out and get it. Go get it um, at any of your local retailers or grocery stores or bookstores. Now, I I like what was said about Leia, but I'm so intrigued, obviously. But when they say that she's still very much at the heart of the movie and that like her, her bit is still intact. I wonder how that can be. In my brain, I can't understand how she's going to be, you know, at the center of this movie if she, if there's no scene with her with her son. And I don't know if they've been able to somehow sure. massage that to, into existence. I'll consider it like another miracle if they've managed <laughs> it. But like, if it's if it's if they've managed to preserve it as her movie. I, I really hope that somehow they've managed to get those two, even if it's, if it's a, like a force connection, make that happen. Mm-hmm. But the, the big thing for me that jumped out was uh, from the EW piece. And it's it was sort of something reinforcing that I, I've been talking about for a, for a long time. Uh, and I'll just read the quote. It says, while the film is introducing new characters, Abrams insists Rise of Skywalker won't set up a future story. He's not leaving loose threads for Disney to hang another trilogy directly onto the back of this one. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, per, I'm like, thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that is out there. One of, one of my biggest things I've been talking about forever is that this, I really want this to put a bow on the mm-hmm. saga. And I don't mm-hmm. want to like, you know, when, we, when you finished watching Lord of the Rings and they close the book, literally Frodo or uh, Bilbo closes mm-hmm. the book he's been writing. And you know, mm-hmm. you felt secure in knowing this is it. It's over. I want that same feeling when I walk out of that theater that it's over. And I know that mm-hmm. we, we all suspect that that they're going to do something in the future with these characters. But it might be separate enough from the Skywalker saga that these nine films will stand 
like as their own thing. I, you know, I, I just, I just don't want us to come out and go. So that thing, that that cameo, or well, geez, the way they set that up, boy, that sure seems like it's going to be footing for the episode ten. Like if we have that talk, then I think the movie loses a lot of its power. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that JJ is committing to this as an ending. Then again, Return of the Jedi felt like a big, a big bold ending as well. And <laughs> eight movies later, and an entire universe of content later, you know, we're still we're still going. <laughs> so yeah, so that was a very quick touching on of Entertainment Weekly and Rolling Stone, who both brought it really hard this past week, and I got. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be grabbing all those magazines off the off the rack once they hit, whenever they come up here. Uh, all right, let's jump into our wheelhouse here. We've got some comics to talk about. Now, the Marvel run on the main title of Star Wars has just wrapped up. Maybe we'll recap that next month. Uh, but for now, I wanted to talk about some of these delicious solicit- solicitations that hit us late last week, starting with Star Wars number three which comes out in February, I think, and is written by, of course, the one and only Charles Soule. Charles Soule. Oh, boy. The, these comics that are coming out early 2020 are going to end us. Like, wow, they're so... Yeah. Man, they're bringing it hard. So, the synopsis is, the end of the war and the final defeat of the Rebel Alliance are inevitable as the cunning Imperial Commander Zara unleashes her fury against the splintered and scattered survivors. But where have the Rebellion's greatest heroes gone when their cause needs them most? Uh, Luke Skywalker's only hope at becoming a Jedi Knight was lost during his battle with Darth Vader. And so he, Princess Leia, and Lando Calrissian must return to Cloud City to find it. But Leia has her own covert mission to accomplish there. And Lando's mysterious reason for returning could very well ruin their only chance at success. And this was... Really interesting because, uh, you know, going back to Bespin and Cloud City. Yeah. And, and I watched Empire Strikes Back tonight as part of the the great Star Wars rewatch. So just to think that we're going back here so soon. We're starting with Star Wars number three. I never thought we'd see this, at least not this early. And yeah. Like, what is Luke's going to be like, what, on, on all fours? Looking for his lightsaber somewhere? That's going to be <laughs> weirdly interesting. But I, one of two things is going to happen, I think. Either he doesn't find it and goes off and builds the green. Or he does find it and he does something else with it and then goes and builds the green. And I, I feel like Charles Soule, he's one of those guys that likes to do the the unexpected bit. So I wonder if, you know, picking up on this trail of, of the lost lightsaber... If he will find it and then say, for whatever reason, he's going to hand it off to somebody else. And that that has me really intrigued. What, what are you guys thinking about? Marie, what are you thinking about Star Wars number three? Um, I was I was typing out uh, just a couple notes about it and I wrote, but it all sounds so weirdly dark. And then I went back and looked and was like, oh, yeah, it's written by Charles Soule. So I was like, so of course it's going to be kind of dark. <laughs> um, so that was a little bit of what kind of hit me. Cause they're like, where are our heroes and what's going to happen? And um, Leia's mission's going to endanger everything. Um, 
But I do think it's really neat that they're going back to Cloud City. I think that'll be really interesting, especially like the Empire is in charge. Right? Like, didn't didn't we learn in the Aftermath series that Lando had returned with Lobot to to Cloud City? And it was sort of overrun. I I thought that was possibly or probably his first stop or his first go at at cloud city since since empire strikes back but evidently not interesting i mean they even ref i mean they reference it in in this in this like preview because they say dot 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 and lando's mysterious reason for returning could very well return their only chance at success Mm -hmm. really interesting stuff yeah um so i'm gonna put i'm gonna say this now like i'm putting my money on this at some point like whatever they, they do on bespin the group will get split so luke will get split away and he's gonna whether he finds a saber or not i don't know but he's i think he's this he's gonna recover his red five x-wing we, that's one of those things we've always talked about where he just left it there uh, <laughs> in empire yeah. right mm-hmm. what happened to, to red five because he classic he gets it back <laughs> we see the door he's like the door of red five is the door of his hut in the last Jedi. So he's got, he got it back. And huh. may, I, I'm thinking we're going to see it in this, whether in this issue or in this arc that uh, Luke's going to get splintered from the group and go, Oh wait, I have another way out of here. And he's just going to go back to that landing platform and find his old X-Wing. And then from there, maybe he goes off to build, uh, to build his green lightsaber. Yeah. But yeah, really interesting. Uh, and then, yeah. Darth Vader volume three, <laughs> number one. They can't seem to put Darth Vader away, but maybe it's going to be worth the wait because this the the uh, the synopsis for this sounds pretty interesting as well. In the shattering climax of The Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader infamously reveals his true relationship to Luke Skywalker and invites his son to rule the galaxy at his side. But Luke refuses, plunging into the abyss. abyss the abyss <laughs> beneath cloud city rather than turn to the dark side. We all remember Luke's utter horror in this life altering moment. But what about Vader in this new epic chapter in the Darth Vader saga, the dark Lord grapples with Luke's unthinkable refusal and embarks on a bloody mission of rage filled revenge against everything and everyone who had a hand in hiding and corrupting his only son. But even as he uncovers the secrets of Luke's origins, Vader must face shocking new challenges from his own dark past. Oh. <laughs> Greg <laughs> Pack is going to try and take a piece out of us, too. Like, this is crazy. This is crazy oh stuff. Oh, my God. It sounds so incredible. I actually uh-huh. typed out the word squeal in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, think, I was just like, ah. <laughs> I think we've spoken about this I'll... at some point. But like, Vader embarking on a bloody mission of rage-filled revenge against everything and everyone. Like, who could this be? Like, Owen and Brew are both dead. Kenobi's gone. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Hmm. I, I, I have no thoughts on this. You're going to have to buy them to find out? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 40 pages, yeah. four ninety nine, rated T. I am definitely, obviously, we're all going to buy this and just devour it. But I don't know 
I don't know where Greg Pak's coming from on this because in my brain, like Kenobi gave Luke away to to uh, Owen and Baru and uh, Baru and said, "Keep this kid safe and keep him secret." And they did that, and those people are all gone. But I'm I'm so interested. I'm so interested to see where this goes, and I just wonder if maybe there's some early seeding for the Kenobi series here, like introducing some some characters maybe that um like Kenobi might recruit you know to get to helping to yeah. keep Luke safe and secret to conceal his location I and mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know like I doubt it I doubt that's the case but the timing like Kenobi is sort of already written or being written right now these comics are coming together right now maybe these people are talking to each other and they're putting they're dropping some characters in into this comic series that will meet at a earlier point in the Kenobi series. That's what the story group is for, right? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the sentence, but even as he uncovers the secrets of Luke's origins, Vader must face shocking new challenges from his own dark past. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like great writing. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. Because we're, now we're going back to the prequels, which is yes. going to be real cool. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I guess one thing he doesn't figure out is anything about Leia, right? Because he only comes to that realization yeah. in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Afra killed the guy, killed the the mortician. Before he was, before she got out of him, that there was a twin. Mm-hmm. That's right. That was yeah. That was early on, right? In the Afra. Yeah. In, yeah. That was an Afra, or was that that was Invader? Invader. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Of course. That was definitely Invader. That's right. Yeah. The only, the only, one of the only other people that knew that there was a twin was killed before he could, he could spill his guts. Yep. And he spilled his guts in other in the literal sense. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, Afro was too too quick on that one. Uh, Michelle, any thoughts on this Vader st- story by Greg Pak? I'm really excited to read it. Um, yeah, I I really love that. Um, this is kind of like concurrent with kind of the opposite of what's happening in Star Wars Three, which is kind of like. It's kind of like them both happening at the same time, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, so it'll be fun to kind of like read them at the same time because they're kind of going to be happening. I feel like kind of similarly in timeline wise, and it'll kind of be like a movie almost because you're going to get both sides of like what's happening. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like what they so did with the first cool. volumes when yeah. they were able to do a crossover like Vader down. Maybe we get yeah, another one. Which is- yeah, that would be really cool because I feel like I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to do a lot more. Like, you know, I feel like we don't really know what Project Luminous is, but just the fact that they have so many different types of writers like crossing over and working together, I feel like they're going to try to put more effort into like paying off people who are reading all of these different comics and mm-hmm. kind of putting in like kind of uh, connective tissue and Easter eggs in for people who are reading multiple comics so that there's a payoff for people who are. Um, and I feel like they will kind of do that. So even if you are reading just one, it won't be like too much of a, a stretch if you don't 
separate the other one, but I feel like they will do enough where maybe, you know, they'll kind of be able to convince it. But I feel like at this point, like the stories are interesting enough, like that I would want to read Darth Vader one anyway, and I would want to read Star Wars three anyway, separately. So like reading them together just would just make more sense. Um, And I feel like both stories sound strong um, and intriguing. So um, yeah, and like, you know, I I feel like everything was kind of said, like the bloody mission of rage filled revenge, like, yes check like um you know the thing with the uncovered secrets of luke's origins shocking new challenges from his own dark past i mean check i mean the three yeah, experience big, covers. big I mean, huge check freaking there. check 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 like give me all three um yeah. i really like that that third one from the top in this article the uh red cover with uh darth vader kind of side profile with his cape kind of billowing and him holding the red lightsaber it almost the way that he's positioned and the way the artist has drawn his um his like uniform uniform but like armor uh everything it kind of almost looks like those uh japanese costume renderings of the samurai armor almost just the way they drew it um and I really love just how bold and like iconic that is like I feel like it's such like a poster like a movie moment it's very cinematic I really love that um all the covers are great but I really love that red cover it's it's a statement um, for sure really yeah it's a statement it's very very cool and strong and yeah, even really the, even cool. the uh, the yeah. st- like the regular cover with Vader leading a couple of Death Troopers, like mm-hmm. that's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rad. Uh, and then, oh boy, <laughs> Charles Soule's gonna give it to us again. <laughs> Star Wars: The Rise of Kylo Ren, number three of four. Um, I, so the synopsis, I'll I'll go through that quickly. Ben Solo, Knight of Ren. Soon, Ben Solo's path will end in a place of fire and blood and a shadow will rise to take his place. He is with the Knights of Ren now, and they will welcome him if he can pay their price. But before that destiny is fulfilled, a battle must be fought at an ancient Jedi outpost on the planet Elfroda between Ben and those who know what he could have been, and fear what he might become. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Everyone here is afraid, Ben Solo most of all. Man. (laughs) I don't even have, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like I'm I've run out of words. <laughs> Especially with like I think ep- uh, the the issue number 2 of this series kind of just that sucked all the air out of the room. In a good way, I think we're still sort of thinking about Luke and, <laughs> and Ben Solo fighting the Knights of Ren. And wow, but this sounds crazy. It sounds like Ben Solo is going to have to fight those Jedi who went after him after the incident at Luke's Academy. Which that's going to be crazy. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm so. The synopsis for number two said that Kylo and Luke meet the Knights of Ren. Was was that no? What was the synopsis for number two? Oh boy, um, I don't remember. Do you the exa- recall? I don't remember the exact words, but yeah, um. It was it was to the effect that the the students left that left the academy like it, it sort of 
shook our understanding of what happened at Luke's Academy because Luke told us that Kylo killed a bunch and that the rest left with him. But it seems like maybe Kylo killed a bunch. Or sorry, he's not Kylo yet. He Ben killed a bunch and then the rest chased after him. Because they they, they were under the the impression that he had killed Luke. So they're like, get him! And so they took off after him. That seems like to be what has actually gone on. Gotcha. Okay, I'm sorry. There's more. There's, there's more to it than that. I. That's just what's popping into my brain now. I pulled up the synopsis for two. Nice. Hit us. It's. Uh. It says Snoke sinks his claws in. Young Ben Solo faces the Knights of Red. Um, with the new Jedi school in ruins and fellow students hot on his trail for the murder of their master, Ben Solo flees to the only friend he has left in the galaxy, a man named Snoke. But Snoke has plans for Ben and ideas that the Force, uh, and ad- ideas about the Force that are just as dangerous as they are intriguing for the troubled young Jedi. If Ben wishes to be truly free, the answers might lie with the with the dark side and with the Knights of Ren, but it won't be the first time he's tangled with the Knights. In the past, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker journeys to the Unknown Regions and brings young Ben along for the mission. Can even Luke Skywalker stand against the Fable Knights of Ren? That's what got me confused. It's two different timelines. Yeah, there's a flashback. That's why I was confused. Okay, I was like remembering one part but not remembering the other, and so I was like, ah... (laughs) But yeah, this, this, I mean, everybody, I think, obviously, Kylo has a huge fan base. And, I mean, not without good reason. He's a fascinating character. That's like, that's like the understatement. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. A huge fan base. Okay. I'm, I'm wondering, because Charles Soule, before we started hearing all the stuff about this series, he talked about making choices that not everybody's going to like about this series. And I wonder what those choices are. I can't wait to see what he's done that is going to upset somebody, or at least yeah. he feels will upset somebody. And is it related to our understanding that he killed people, but maybe it was in self-defense and this whole thing is a big misunderstanding. Like this, this could get crazy. Mm-mm. Um, I can't wait. The whole, like, every day, it it just all sounds so interesting. Yeah. I I wonder if they've purposely pushed the, like, the release date of these until well after Rise of Skywalker. I I wonder if, like, there's there's too much in here that would telegraph what his outcome will be in Rise of Skywalker if we saw it first. Yeah. We'll see. I mean... Obviously, this is this is a another series that we're going to probably do deep dives into. Can't I just wish there were more than four issues. I know, yeah, yeah. This feels Why like is it a five issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know, people are saying that this, this probably should have been a novel. Oh God, mm. yes, yes. I mean, I'll take a, a Charles Soule comic any day of the week. Yeah, maybe it will be a novel. Well, he's a novelist. Maybe he should have written this novel. Maybe it well, will. you know, <laughs> they make comic. They made did the Thrawn comic that was based on the Thrawn novel. Maybe they'll do a Kylo. Oh, the reverse novel based on yeah. a Kylo comic. I'm saying it's possible. Yeah, blow so it out. Just right? If we it. can think it, 
it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <sighs> Wish it into reality, Michelle. Uh, yeah, so I... there's three comics coming in February 2020 that if if Rise of Skywalker doesn't end us and Mandalorian doesn't take care of us and uh, Clone Wars will be dropping right around that time, if that isn't like sweeping up what's left of us, these comics are just going to crush us. They're going to be so good. There's going to be so much here to talk about. Yeah. But Star Wars is dead. Never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gosh, let's... on the those articles, I stupidly enough went down to look at some of the comments. Oh no! And I was like, "Oh my god, it was horrible! It's horrible! <laughs> like you people are terrible!" I have so nicely curated my Twitter timeline that like it's just all happy Star Wars. By and large, mine is too. Mine's a good place. Like, I don't get spoilers on my timeline. I don't get a lot of these shitbirds who are looking to make a mess. A lot of yeah. them get sort of, like, dog-whistled. People, like, sh- like trying to screen cap them and, and shame them, which, eh, name and shame people who are being bad faith actors in this whole thing. I'm okay with that, I guess. But by and large, my, my timeline is a pretty good place. Yeah. All right, so let's put the comics aside for now, and... Uh, we'll we'll talk. We'll do a quick little recap of Resistance Reborn. I think it's time we talk about that. It's been out for about a month, and uh, I I I'm I'm proud of myself. I got through a book in less than a month. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> it took some doing, but I did it. Uh, so we're if you've not read Resistance Reborn, um, we're spoiling the living bejesus out of it. So. Um, if you want to hang around for that, by all means do so. And, um, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll let us know what you think. So what was your general impressions, Marie, going into the book? What were you hoping for and did you get it? Um, I was, well, let's see. What I was hoping for was an understanding of where the vast armada of ships came from. But what I got was better than that. Interesting. So I didn't, it doesn't connect to what we see in rise of Skywalker trailers, but I'm telling you, she really knows her stuff. I mean, there were connections to s- novels and video games and comic series and TV shows. And it the connections were just, canon connections were through the roof. I mean... You're, you're absolutely right. Like, this oh. was... Oh, man. If like this, it, I think this was the book, like sort of like a, a gift in a way. Like if you stuck yeah. with, uh, the extended canon stuff all this way, this was like the payoff. Like yeah, like, like you you'd mentioned, like almost boy, can't say every, but there were so many like references that I got, like, and I haven't read all the novels and every comic. But even my, even that that like I was going through the book and going oh I know that name or I've recognized that planet or city that they're talking about or this this um, event that they're referencing, like it's all there like 
Rebecca Roanhorse, uh, the author of Resistance Reborn, in that respect, Grand Slam home run. Yeah. Like, she... I, I don't know if she's actually read all of these things or if it was a whole story group effort or what it was but it but Rebecca Roanhorse beautifully seamlessly did it yeah putting everything together and it wasn't just like direct connections with like people and events but the certain planets mentioned or um, species mentioned and like shocks that are really only ever seen in the Phantom Menace, I think. Um, so uh, species, just, you know, animals. Um, so things like that, that were randomly mentioned. Gatalanta and T. Gatalanta was a planet that was really first introduced, I think, in Leia, Princess of Alderaan. So like little things like that, that pointed, that jumped out at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, the book is littered with it. Like, it makes a big point. There's a, there's actually a good extended sequence where we meet up with Wedge Antilles and and Nora Wexley again. Yeah, and that's that's on um, in the city of Mira on Akiva, which was a huge location in the first aftermath book. Yeah. So it's it's a great end cap. Like if you start with like like that first Chuck Wendig novel and finish up with Resistance Reborn. My goodness, what a story. Like, what a... even I, You know what? Even if you read just those three Aftermath books and Resistance Reborn, like, even at that, you're going to get a ton of connectivity there. Because yeah. Wedge and Nora are so prominent. Mm-hmm. And Phantom Squadron. Right. Phantom Squadron. Phantom Squadron plays a big role in the third book of the trilogy in the Battle of Jakku. That's right. I did not expect, I, we brought in, uh, if you've played Battlefront 2, obviously you met um, Shriv and Zay, who is uh, Aiden and Del's daughter. They had big parts in this book, which I was not expecting and, and was really happy yeah. about. Yeah. Which, was, I, I love Shriv. I really, I don't expect to see Shriv in Rise of Skywalker, but I might I might attempt a backflip if we do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I still haven't watched cut scenes from Battlefront, and I don't have the an ability to play it. As I found out today, Fallen Order doesn't even fit on my computer, so Battlefront definitely would not. Um, so oh no! I, <laughs> so sad. Um, so I only know about Iden Versio and Del Mico directly because of reading Inferno Squadron, um, but. Even that connection, I was just like, oh my gosh, Inferno Squad. Yeah, and that was super, super cool. And like even in Battlefront 2, Zay is barely in it. She's not in it a ton, but she makes an impact for sure. And she picks right up in this book. And it, it was it was really neat to see her. I I love this kind of book that makes all these canon connections all over the place. Like just yeah. when something gets meshed in like that, like. That's how you get me. And I know that like there's, there's books like uh, Rebel Rising or um, the Ahsoka novel, even Master and Apprentice to a certain degree. Like they go deep on character, which is great. I'm not there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's actually probably better from a literature standpoint. 
But for me, my personal taste as a canon junkie, mm-hmm. I love all this connectivity and watching something similar to like watching the Marvel movies, right? Where yeah, all, all kinds of things are happening among these different sub franchises and it all comes together in like the event films. And that's what this book was. It was just bringing all these little disparate f- threads together and just making it like a 300 pages of little payoffs that made this a really satisfying read. Yeah. And speaking of um, things picking up right where they left off, like the Poe Dameron comic series, ex- like minutes from when that comic series ended, it starts off in this book. That, and, yeah, and that's a series I'm not super familiar with. Oh, it was so cool. Like, they... Poe hadn't had the conversation with Snap and Jess and Kare and Sir Linda yet about um, what happened in The Last Jedi. And it sort of ended with him just saying, like, the we're we're the hope for the galaxy and like it's more about the little things that you do than the the big finish or whatever and um that's how it ended and they were on crook when it ended and they had just defeated the first order and then it picks up in this book immediately where they're celebrating on crook and i was like oh my gosh that's so cool yeah i just ah just the cool kind of thing that it makes you feel like you're in this universe, all this cross platform chatter going obviously going on between these people. It's it's yeah. so so gratifying as a reader to know so that. So good. Ah, so good. So when you look at the book, you pick up the cover and it's immediately evident that you you can tell this is probably Poe's story. His big old head is the most prominent thing <laughs> on the cover. And it was. This, I think, was chiefly Poe's story above all else. And it was... Yeah. It took a while, but Poe trying to broach the subject of uh, you know, breaking the news of what happened at Crate and the loss of everybody and what he did. You know, his mutiny and him getting people killed. And uh, it was very much framed in the way that The Last Jedi sets it up in, in that Poe just completely screwed up. And obviously there's still the debate that, well, yes, he, yeah, he was insubordinate, but he actually did save some lives, you know, like when he, by blowing up that, that dreadnought, if, if that had followed them through hyperspace, that there, you know, when they come out of hyperspace, that dreadnought would have wiped them all out. That would have been the end. So, I mean, there is that debate still going on, but the book picks up where, where the movie leaves it, where he committed mutiny. (laughs) <laughs> which is crazy yeah. <laughs> and, and the, he's very much dealing with uh the regret and a bit of the shame with that and he doesn't know how to reveal that to to the rest of black squadron like snap and carry and you know all that group he's he's trying to say uh you know guys uh i gotta tell you about what happened and he keeps getting interrupted and finally he just blurts it out guys i, I did a mutiny <laughs> 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 not quite that bad but you know, it's it's like this moment you're waiting to see. I cause we we know how we all we've all had our reactions to pose mutiny at this point, but we'd like to see how other characters will react to the same news. Yeah, and they didn't really let him off the hook. 
Like nobody was like, oh, that's cool, Poe. Like, no, no problem. Who's Holdo anyway? Fist bump. Mutiny. Get her out of there. Like they're all like, well, Poe, that's <laughs> you know, that's pretty shitty of you, dude, but you know, I'm I'm sure you had your reasons. Let's just fix this mess now. Uh, yeah. And, and that was cool. I mean, that was it was good. But that was kind of done with. Like less than halfway through the book, he'd made that he'd sort of come clean. And you don't I don't think we pick up on it again after that. It's sort of a it's done. It's it's sort of a water under the bridge thing now, I think. Well, he does have that conversation with all the assembled pilots and yes, the Imperial and all those different on Ryloth. Yeah. Where they're all getting really upset with him. And then he steps forward and is like, yes, I did wrong, but, and so it kind of comes up again there, but after that, it, and, and it even like, I feel like Pacer, Pacer Agoyo, I think that was his name. Yep. Um, he like kind of needles him, but about it, but, um, I feel like after that, it was, it was pretty much everything was okay. Relatively speaking. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, like you mentioned, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot that's not okay. Because I think the thrust of the book is. And, you know, the synopsis of the story is how does this resistance rebuild itself down to like literally just, you know, 12 people on the Millennium Falcon. Where do they get the resources and you know the, the people to continue the fight? And so you like you talked about the, that, you know, that, that big armada of ships that we see in the Rise of Skywalker trailer. We didn't. I thought maybe this book would help us figure out where those where those people come from. Yeah, <laughs> but it, do- it doesn't like, really. <laughs> I mean, the climax of the book leads us to uh, not Cor- uh, Corellia. It takes us back to Corellia, um, where they need to snag some ships. But really, all they're doing is stealing a handful of X-wings and a like another type of cruiser, like a small freighter cruiser type thing. They got a CR ninety. Oh yeah, yeah, right. The CR ninety. That's that's right. From that's which is likely the one we see in the Rise of Skywalker trailer. So if if you thought that was the Tantive Four from A New Hope, it's probably not. It's it's a CR ninety that they stole from Corellia. Yeah, and in um, Spark of the Resistance, that's the name of it, right? The Justina Ireland Middle Grade book. Correct. Um. In that book, it's mentioned because that takes place after Resistance Reborn and after Allegiance. And in that book, it mentions the ships that they got from Moncala and from Corellia. Okay. So I was wondering when I was reading that book, what the ships from Corellia, like, when did that happen? Where does that happen? It happens in Resistance Reborn. So <laughs> that was kind of cool. Yeah, and I think Ray in the book she mentions to Leia, and there's not a lot of Ray in this book to speak of. But one of the things her and Leia do talk about is sort of like a drop in the bucket, and en- enough drops in the bucket, eventually you have a full bucket. And um, yeah. really, this book is a drop in the bucket. I mean, yeah. they don't even come close to forming a-, a fighting force big enough to take on the First Order, and they they make numerous references to that, like. 
yeah, we still don't have enough, but you know, this is a start and we're going to keep going. So it, it really is sort of propelling us forward uh, towards Rise of Skywalker, but we're not there yet. Like I thought this book would do more connecting between the two movies, but it really is just sort of a, um, this is the aftermath of the last Jedi. Yeah. And then, so I thought it was really interesting um, timeline wise how Leia is thinking about Ray's clothing and she says something about the scavenger garb that she saw Ray in the previous day. Now it's affected with a Jedi appearance. The previous day. Yeah, this is this this whole TFA, the last Jedi episodes uh, seven and eight. This we're talking about like a a day. Yeah, I mean two days really. Yeah, so Resistance Reborn has to take place exactly um, immediately, like minutes after Last Jedi. Yeah, I mean, sure. I don't know if I've got that sense because, like you said, like it's. It picks. It feels like it picks up with the, the end of the Poe Dameron book or the which, comic series, which also kind of ends. Which is directly at the end of Last Jedi. Yeah, I, th- I think in the final arc, or was it in the final issue? They're they're on the Falcon, or is that earlier? Before? Yeah, that was no. Maybe that was earlier. Where they have sort of a little chat on the Falcon, Ray, Poe, Finn. That's that's earlier. That's like issue twenty five ish. Oh, 32. I know what you're talking about. I know you're talking about, yeah. Okay, maybe not minutes, but definitely hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is all, this the, the the timeline of this sequel trilogy period that we're in so far is so compressed. <laughs> it really is like a few days yeah. from the start of yeah. TFA to uh, to the end of Resistance Reborn. It's so packed. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, that it's, it's, it's been a heck of a few days for this, for this Resistance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Leia's, I mean, if if Poe is the lead in this book, it's I think Leia's right next to him, or right oh, be- yeah. right beneath. For sure, um, it's very much her story too. Um, but it, it's it, they really pick up. Or Rebecca Roanhorse really hammers home that Leia's not well. Like she's not in the best health, which you could understand if this is really hours or a day after the events of Crate and and the Last Jedi, and her flying through space. Yeah, that like she's can't have done much for her constitution. <laughs> no, that can't be good for your health in any way. <laughs> they do touch on that more yeah. early on in the book than towards yeah. the end, but they do touch on that. And I, I, I wonder if, like, she, I think she hit on that often enough. There's enough references to Leia's ill health and how she's not quite herself. I wonder if that is sort of foreshadowing for you know if if Leia is to have an exit a departure from the rise of Skywalker. If some of that has, was set up in, uh, in this resistance reborn, or if it's just, you know, natural, this is just a natural after effect of, of being knocked out in space. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to go too long on this book. I thought it was a lot of fun. It, I thought it was a perfect length too. Like it was just under yeah. 300 pages is a quick read, a satisfying read. The climax for the last what, eighty pages or so. It's like that three pronged. 
I love how it was three different stories at once mm-hmm. and they like it it just it was fast, it was engaging and all three stories I thought were just fascinating. So I really enjoyed that. Do you have any comments on any of the new characters that we met in the book but yes. likely won't meet again? Teza Nas the Imperial Warlord from uh, Rat Attack. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She is awesome. She reminds me of um, Lexa from The 100. Not familiar, but I know some people will be. I've seen that show. Um, so she is like this, has the the ochre on her eyes and like the bones and leather and like just really like primitive warlord and i'm like i dig that yeah, I she was that's brutal so cool. i want a funko pop of her <laughs> <laughs> talk yeah there you go there's yeah because she was super violent like she was yeah. a, she was a brutal person and yeah then to dress her up in a funko oh that, that would be pretty funny but yeah, like she was all about like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll kill him. I'll do it. <laughs> and I liked how she was like a reformed imperial. She's like a warlord. But at the same time, she's like, yeah, I know what I did was wrong. I know it now. Not as a warlord, but what she did with the empire. You know, she was like, as an imperial, yeah. Yeah, it was wrong. So yeah. I'm fighting with you guys. <laughs> so I thought that was so cool. Yeah, no, she was a good character for sure. Uh, there was three First Order officers I can't, whose names I will not remember, but it was, um, <clears throat> what's his name? Brat? Winsher. Win- Winsher Brat. Oh, what a sniveling piece of garbage Ugh. he was. God, he was horrible. He was really, yeah, just uh, your typical Ugh. First or- Weasley First Order bureaucrat. And, and mean, vindictive. Oh, he was, like... just, yeah, he was just nasty. Just, just, ugh. Not a not a nice person whatsoever. He got what he deserved. Yeah. Uh, who was it that took him out? Was it Monty that took him out? No, Monty de- had already defected. Yama. Yama. Yeah. Was it Yama? Uh, she had the she had the big pole. She had the metal pole. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah she clubbed him. I'm pretty sure. And then Teza Nas, like, stood over him. And, like, they had this whole confrontation with each other, the three of them, between the three of them. And it was like... And then one person stood over him and tried to help him, or attempted to at least, like, make contact with him. And then he just kind of was like, no. And I give up. And I'm dying. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah no it, it was Winsher that uh, knocked out or like threw through the colonel off the bridge to save his yep. own skin yep that's how that played out yeah monty yeah. had long defected and he was long gone yeah i think yeah so they had like these three first order characters that uh they're i guess like to move along the plot to help bring together all the the, the resistance bit of it but they were interesting in the end, they got uh, Yama out of it. <clears throat> it was like 15. It was I thought that was strange. Like, I know the First Order recruits young, but they're putting, like, teenagers, like, right down in the trenches. Yeah. Which was strange. Uh, how how about um, 
<laughs> Snap, referring to Wedge's dad. Wasn't that sweet? Oh, that was so adorable. Yeah, that was I cool. I love that. That makes me happy. But I think, I don't think we're getting Wedge in Rise of Skywalker. Not yeah. That, nothing bad happens to Wedge in the book other than he gets shot in the, in the shoulder, which, you know, that means nothing in, in any form of fiction. Yeah. But he, he and Nora were just like, yeah, we're out of here. Like, we were glad to help on this mission, but this is not our place. We're out. And they leave. So unless Wedge has another surprise return in the cards for Rise of Skywalker, he's out. He's done. Yeah. Which, I mean, it could happen. They could have Dennis Lawson back for Rise of Skywalker. Didn't he say that he didn't... Not that he didn't want to come back, but that he just wasn't coming back? What I heard... Yeah, I think the story is that Dennis Lawson was asked to come back for Rise of Skywalker. Or, sorry, Force Awakens, but he just... He wasn't interested. Yeah. I don't know if they tried again to bring him back, if he said yes or no. But it's this story leaves makes you think that he's out. Yeah. And I, I mean, they, they deserve their retirement. He was happy with his little chickens and you know, har- harvesting eggs and just living like a little farmer. Those chickens were cool. I liked them. And they're old. Wedge <laughs> is old. Nora's even older. Like, at this point, she would have to be in her... I don't know, late 60s or 70s? Yeah. Wedge is in his 50s or... Let them be at this point. Yeah. It's it's over for these two. I mean, if I guess if Lando can come back and... and General Riken, how can we forget that? Yes! General Riken came back in this. I can't believe he's still around. <laughs> he was, he'd, he'd have to be in his 80s in this book. But there he was, General Riken. Yeah. So there, there's a little bit of something for... Everybody, like whatever your era of Star Wars was, I guess what what was the deepest prequel reference? Was there one? Mm. Not really. I'm right? not really. Um, the my other thing would be Rogue One, and there wasn't really much except for there were mentioned there was mention of U wings, and so I was like. Rogue One! <laughs> Just the mention of a U-Wing. Yeah. So, that made me excited. But, um, but besides, I don't think there were any, like, prequel era. No, you, like, you mentioned an animal preview before that... Shock. The shock, yeah. That's, That's it. <laughs> There's your prequel it. reference that I can think of. Yeah. Alright. So, um, final thought on Resistance Reborn. This was a keeper for you? This is a, a- a recommended read? Oh, absolutely. Um, I do have one quick question. I want to know if if you found a connection. Um, the prologue. I don't know if you even remember the prologue, but I went back and looked at it, and I don't know what in the world it has to do with the rest of the book. The prologue. Hmm. It's the tie with the the oh, woman yeah. on it. And it explodes, but she sends like this encryption key to this person, and then you never hear about the encryption key again. Could that have had anything to do with the list? But Monty was the one who 
handed over the list. No, that's a good question. You know what? After reading the, the, the prologue, I never thought about it again. I didn't either. And then I just thought when I was going back through my notes, like through my notes on my Kindle, I thought about it and I was like, what? Like, the only thing is the the woman or girl has a serpent necklace. So I wonder if she's connected with the collective. Mm. That's got to be the connection then. That's the only thing I could think of. Wouldn't that be interesting if the collective played a part in Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, that would be strange. And you know what? We're starting to see like imagery of, of a white snake popping up in Star Wars materials related to this this era. This book had it. Um, there's some, I think something in Resistance on the floor of, of like a temple or something. There was like a white serpent on the ground. Oh. somebody had found pictures of something that's coming out either like some kind of rise of skywalker patch or sticker and it's it's got like a white snake and so and it's it's related to the jedi i don't know but they seem to be working in the image of a white snake or a white serpent of some kind into the the lore and that, that's got to be in preparation for something to say like see it was it was foreshadowed back here and here and here <laughs> i don't know what's going That's on interesting. I, I but yeah I, I i i will echo you it's absolutely a, a great read uh if you if you want to get into a star wars novel it's like i said it's a quick one if i did it in a month you anybody else can do it in, in half that time <laughs> um and it, it's fun it's it's not so bogged down with inconsequential details or settings it's it moves pretty quick it's a, mm-hmm. it's a good book to read. All right. So let's uh, let's put a cap in that. I don't know when the next... I guess now we turn our attention, as far as novels go, to this Force Collector that we might talk about at some point. Or Oh, so good. Project, <laughs> Project Luminous. That's, that's, yeah. that's the next one I'm, I'm dreaming about. Yeah. Someone you know has probably experienced cancer, a heart attack, or stroke. The odds of experiencing one of these are high, which could result in bills for thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses. How would you pay for it? With your savings? There is another option. It's called Active Care. Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from ten to sixty thousand dollars. And with Active Care, the cash is yours to use as you see fit. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Pen Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. All right, so now it's time to talk about The Sin, Episode 3 of The Mandalorian. Again, full disclosure, this is full of spoilers, and uh, we are we're not holding back. So if you stuck with us through Resistance Reborn and spoiled yourself on that, uh, do you have the willpower to back away now, or are you going to stick through? Are you going to stick with us as we spoil episode three? I'm, my brain is still sort of like swimming from the first two episodes. 
this episode was absolutely incredible. Like what what do you, I haven't spoken to either of you since since the premiere of this show. Uh, Michelle, how are you like digesting this show? It's a completely new format and style for us. Mm-hmm. Are you grabbing the are you staying off social media to avoid spoilers or are you like waking up at five in the morning to watch it? Um, surprisingly, I I just binge watched the first three episodes this weekend. So, um, because it came out the first, the first weekend it came out was the weekend I was in my best friend's wedding. So I like didn't have time at all to see, watch it. And then I just like, didn't have time. Um, so, and I surprisingly like, didn't have that many spoilers except for like baby Yoda got spoiled in my, um, my Vander Crew <laughs> uh, group chat, which is um, my group chat of like Star Wars girl fans who are also into trash TV. Um, <laughs> There's a crossover for you. Shout out Vander Crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know who you are. I'm not gonna. I mean, it's we've we've already identified ourselves on social media, so I think it's fine to say that it's me. Uh, Tracy Gardner, uh, Andrea, and then uh, Ash Crossan from ET. Uh, <laughs> the four of us are at the Vander Crew. We love Bravo TV and Star Wars. That is what we bonded on. Um, anyway, uh, they we were talking about it in the DMs, and I had kind of like heard about Baby Yoda. So I, the like a baby Baby Yoda type character, and so I was just like. Okay, like that's, uh, but that just made me more excited to see it. Like I wasn't super upset, but then I, I did think like if I hadn't been spoiled of that, like I wonder what that moment would have felt like to like see that as a reveal and be like, whole what? Like that would have been really cool. Um, so I'm trying to save that moment for my mom when she gets to see it. Um, it's so I'm worth really it. excited. It's to so show worth that it. to oh, my mom um, yeah. because my mom has no idea about the Mandalorian or any of this stuff and she is not on Twitter and so she wouldn't watch it unless it was on like some sort of like it got spoiled on TV and she saw it on something um, which I doubt so uh, I think that she doesn't know about it so um, I think I'm going to see her this weekend or sometime next week so um, I'm going to literally sit her down and force her to watch it, and then she will die. Because right now, porgs are her entire world. Um, but soon, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's going to change real soon. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, it's like, it's like um, that really meme, excited. right? There's that that evergreen meme where it's it's that guy who's walking with his girlfriend, and his head is turned towards another girl. <laughs> now it's like yeah. the yeah. baby Yoda's yep. the other girl now, and the porgs are like, yep. what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just answered. There was a there was a, a question. There was like a questionnaire or a poll going around on Twitter earlier. It was like, who do you think is the cutest? It was like Ewoks, um, Porgs, Baby Yoda, and then something else. And they were like, which one do you think is the cutest? And I responded like, how is this even a freaking question? And then put a picture of Baby Yoda. And I was just like, I just, I mean, really, like it's not a question. Period. Like, Especially at I this point Ewoks. where we're still like completely Ewoks. swooning over Baby Yoda at this point. Like, yeah. Baby Yoda, hello. Like, come on. 
have you have you come up have either of you come up with your own name for it yet? Baby Yoda. I just call him the Baby Unknown. In my house, he's called Yo-Yo Dini. Yo-Yo Dini. That's what the kids have named him here, and (laughs) they they are absolutely head over heels. So my oh, I bet. My my son is fine. Like he's kind of unfeeling in that way. Like he loves Baby Yoda, but he'll watch a show and just be like, "Yeah, it's cool." My daughter just feels everything. And when so getting into the show, <clears throat> actually before we go do that, Marie, how have you been tackling this? Are you going one by one? Um, are you watching when you're good and ready, or have you had to go out of your way to uh, to watch so that you don't get spoiled? I it okay. So somehow. I managed to not get the baby unknown um, spoiled for me, but I couldn't watch it on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I didn't get to watch it until like the Tuesday Disney Plus came out. Um, And then the the following day, the Wednesday, I didn't get to watch it until like 10 o'clock that night. So I went a good 40 hours before I watched it. Unspoiled? Unspoiled. Wow. And so when he opens up that that cradle and that little baby unknown puts his hand out, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool. Like, did you ever think in your life you would see that? No. No. Well, when, when he said, um, you know, the client's 50 years old and I'm like, okay, the client's 50, but then he was walking over, you know, the tracking fob was igniting or whatever. And then he walks over to that cradle and I was like, and uh, like my wheels started spinning, but I didn't make a connection until you see that little green. And then I was like, no way. And my hand was over my mouth for a good minute before I actually like rewound it and watched it again, <laughs> like watched that last few minutes again. Yeah. It's, it's completely mesmerizing. Like when I watched it myself and I was like floored and I like, even the next morning, I still couldn't believe it. But then the second time I watched it with my family, I was watching their reactions more than <clears throat> the show. And they were all just, stunned absolutely yeah. stunned and then and so skipping That's... over episode two uh, we know like the 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 mando is now bringing just as the, as the synopsis for episode three read is that he brings the 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 asset back for payment and so you know like we knew this was coming so but we all yeah. had this this feeling of is he gonna do it or not do it like there's no way he's gonna go through with this right I mean that's that's the way it goes, but as as the Mando is sort of walking towards the drop off point, you can just like the the look on the baby Yoda's face, like if it could speak, like it 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 felt to me like it knew that something was going on, like it had a bad feeling about what what was going on. It just seemed very yeah. scared and intimidated by that outside world, and like it was almost alone in that regard. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I watched it with the closed captioned on because I just like subtitles because I don't know. Yeah. I'm just weird. 
anyway, um, I don't know. Sometimes like they mumble and I'd rather like just read it and hear it instead of having to rewind. Anyway, when I was watching that scene, when he kind of, they go to, they get to the door and they see the stormtroopers and then baby Yoda looks up at Mando the the description of the the audio description said whimpers oh. and that to me like clued in that he knew like there's something wrong and i was just because the audio just the audio description said whimpers like baby whimpers and i was like wow like yeah okay. it was scared like, is is conscious like knows what's going on like and and that that and he was looking at him in the eyes, well, where you know Mando's eyes would be in his armor. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I feel like Baby Yoda can see past that. Uh, anyway, so, but like he looked up at him and it said whimpers, and it was just like, oh my gosh. And so, in that moment, I was just like, oh yeah, no, like this isn't good. <laughs> no, not good at all. Yeah, no. But but they don't. I I I didn't expect them to so soon to make it clear that the Mando was a little bit protective, like when that stormtrooper was sort of like, not roughing the cre the kid up, but like pulling on the crib, the little yeah. flying bastard. He's like, hey, like take it easy. And the stormtrooper, like, you take it easy. <laughs> Which I thought was a, a funny little exchange. I'm not completely surprised because in like I mean in the past episodes he's been pretty protective of the baby anyway like even though yes like that's his asset that he is like you know bringing back like even when the jawas were you know trying to they were talking about the negotiation and the jawas were like they were trying to talk about what the jaws would want and they were saying the best girl and then next they said the baby and then they were trying to touch him and then mando was like get away from him and tried to burn them and then like said a second time like if you touch him like i will burn you uh, or some sort of like version of that so um, I feel like he's. We've seen him be protective over, over the child in the past. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it wasn't super surprising that he would be like that. I was just like, I thought it was cute that uh, that Mando would, that the Mandalorian would, <laughs> would just be like again protective of of the baby, even after, even though he's actually like literally bringing the baby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess those, that, <laughs> like, that conflict was like, stoked, right? Like, because himself being like, a foundling, he's like, "Well, I'm, am I going to turn yeah. over this little kid?" That, but he yeah, basically, like, he goes through little, with it, like, which is like, okay, is he going to do it or not? And he has that exchange with the uh, the, the Werner Herzog character, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, yeah. he, he took the money. Wow. Okay. That that happened. I, mean, I thought that, maybe he I would mean, be that like, that nope. is the way. So, I mean, you know, he ha- he kind of has to, like, that's the way. So. Yeah. It's like, I think life is coming at the Mando fast at this point where it's yeah. like, if I, if I don't take the money and I cause a stink more than I have, I'm, I'm out. Like I break the code and I'm out. I but thought I for client... a second. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, I was just going to say like the client does like say, and in the first episode i mean he does they do he does leave him with like the basker belongs back in the hands of a mandalorian it's good to restore the natural order of things like you know like it's just like so laden and knowing the history of the mandalorians like only one of them can go out at a time and all of this stuff like you know it, it's just kind of it's heavy like that 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 Besker is not just his like I mean obviously it is but it's also going to go to the foundlings so 
it's a lot like I think like it's not just about the way or that I think it's like really heavy on on him like weighing like just all of the responsibility of not just himself but all of these other foundlings Mm -hmm. or whatever that he responsible for because he was one of them and like the only reason he is here today is probably because of you know some sort of version of like whatever he's doing for these foundlings was was given to him in some sort of way possibly which we we might we might learn about that that flashback that we see in this episode kind of ends abruptly with with the battle droid ready to shoot him and then the the, the flashback ends and they do reference like this big, like kind of catastrophic event called like the quote big purge. The great um, purge, yeah. The great pur- the great purge, yeah. That the heavy infantry, um, uh, Mandalorian soldier, uh, the other big guy, um, according to the subtitle or the closed caption, it said he was called heavy infantry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of referenced the big the great purge, and I I kind of feel like maybe the flashbacks are possibly potentially this great purge that is being referenced i think so uh, yeah so i mean it's interesting to see um you know just like the little t- pieces and tidbits of we're kind of getting um you know and that's probably like and that great purge is what led to the empire controlling all of you know the besker and the mandalorians possibly living and hiding the way that they are now so I mean, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, the the lore that they're sure. packing in here is super interesting stuff. Yeah. Hey, what did you guys? What did you really make of the uh, the the cameo, the little Easter egg of the ice cream maker from from Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, <laughs> it's a vault. <laughs> the Camtono. It's a it's a piggy bank. So now we know why he was running with it, Wilrohood. Yeah, he's. Hey, I want to ask you since, now since you're like waist deep in trivia is will road hood is that sort of like that's a layup or is that is that still a good question um i would say it is i think it's because if you search for will hood on wikipedia it has a legends (laughs) version of it but there's also the canon version oh hilarious yeah, he's. I'm pretty sure he's canon. Man. So, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they they did make him canon, but I can't believe that it's more than what it is. Oh, there apparently there's a whole legends thing. So holy cow! Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> so yeah, so the Mando he he's asking he's he's asking he's thinking about asking questions to the uh, to the client. And he's just like, hey, why don't you just take your money and get out of here? Like, aren't you just supposed to get paid and run off? And it's like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. But you, like, you can tell like that he's not ready to let it go. Is it, the concerns he has for the child and what these people might want with it, he can't put that aside. But he takes the payment and walks off, which you knew it was coming again, but it didn't. It, it still was hard to watch as that little floating bassinet kind of goes through the door and Little baby Yoda's turns his head and is like, hey, what? And then the door closes. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough to watch. My daughter was bawling. Oh. She's bawling. Like, there's oh. actual tears coming down her face. She's, like, really upset by this. And, like, she, she's like, I don't want to watch anymore. Like, I think she's in oh. it only for baby Yoda, to be honest. 
But I was like, just, <sighs> just, 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 just watch the episode. You'll be fine. Uh, then he goes back. The Mando goes back to the to the I guess the Mando hideout, and he meets up with the the armorer. Is that I don't I don't know if that's actually her name, but that's what we've been calling her, the armorer. And uh, he, the thing he says that like my armor has lost its integrity, and we know he's been, he's been banged around by that mudhorn, uh, and he's just he's been shot up and beat up. I the first thing that hit me was that when he says like my armor's lost its lost its integrity, I I almost saw that as metaphorical for the way he's feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. Like you know, I I I felt like through the first two episodes that he's been sort of as as his kind of discovers this or me maybe he always had it, but as the moral compass within him kind of comes out, he upgrades a piece of armor, right? Or, or fixes his ship or whatnot, and I thought that. In this in this third episode, he's just like he felt like com- like morally compromised, and so he just felt like I'm dirty and all like I'm physically and figuratively dirty in this armor now, and I need new. I need <laughs> I need new armor, which he gets, and like now he looks like a proper Mando. I love seeing him in the shiny outfit now. Yeah, now that he's in fully in his new armor, it's almost as if he wants to act in a way that lives up to like the integrity of the Besker and what that stands for in terms of like as a Mandalorian soldier, like what that means. Yeah, that's and, what they're all for, right? They're like, all about yeah. honor and, and whatever ethics they have. Like that's that's, exactly. that's all what they're about. And then then until that point, like, he had just been, like, basically replacing certain parts of his armor that needed replacing with this new Besker, like, you know, metal. And basically now that he has a full new Besker, like, armor suit, like, he just, he feels like, I feel like at that point, like, that's when he decides he's going to go back for Yoda for baby Yoda and and then he just feel it's like he almost like wants to live up to just kind of like the the possibility of who he could can be in this full new Besker armor of of his yeah I like the way that they played with that and then, but he also mm-hmm. there's I, I wanted to talk about the uh, the heavy infantry Mando again whose name they gave it we got his name over the course of the, the week which is uh Paz Vizla and it's also mm-hmm. it's, it, it was like the the voice jumped jumped out to me immediately. I'm like, that's John Favreau. Yeah, like, yeah. Voicing another Mandalorian, an- another member of of Clan Vizsla. But it was later in the week confirmed to be him. It, he was he wasn't in the suit, but he did do the voice. So that's great. That's I think that's the third character now for John Favreau that he's voiced in Star Wars. It just it took me out of it a little bit because I was like, pre Vizsla, he's dead. Because to me, the voice was pre-Vizsla. And yeah. so I was like, he was beheaded by Maul. Like, what? why is his voice in this? So I, I got a little confused for a second. And then I was like, okay, it's just it's just John Favreau. He's just playing someone else. But I was like, so for me, it was like the character and it threw me off. But it was cool. It was yeah, it was cool. I mean, it, you're right though. Like it's it's the same voice. They don't even really try to hide it that much. And yeah, he's, he's part of the same culture, and he's part of the same clan. I guess maybe that's it. Like it's he's a descendant of, so maybe they yeah. have similar genes. Whatever. But you're right. Yeah. Like it did it it did give me pause there for a moment. 
Um, then we flash ahead to the meeting with uh, Action Jackson. I can't stop calling Grief Karga Action Jackson. Yeah. And we talk about this, the idea of, again, like they talked about with the, with the client before, like he's, the Mando is confused or upset or both that everybody was out after this kid. Like you're supposed to, which is against the code, right? Like once right. bounty hunter has, has taken a puck, it, that's my bounty and you can't go poaching it. But this was set up where everybody was after this, this, the baby Yoda. Anyway, but he, yeah. he, he wants his next job because he feel if it wasn't evident before, like it's starting to hit home now. Like when he says, I want my next job f- as like as far away as possible. It's be- yeah. it's because he's trying to he's trying to get his head out of what just happened. Like he f- he feels dirty about having to like ha- about giving up the kid. And he starts asking questions, and uh, it, it's you can flip the egg timer now before he's going to decide to go back. And like he goes, to, he, he walks out to the uh, to the Razor Crest. He's powering up the ship, and again, my daughter's sitting next to me. Now she's like, "Don't leave." <laughs> She's, she's crying she's like don't leave and then and she's burying her face in the couch pillow and i'm like i pick her up harley look and he shuts off the ship and then she perked up I'm like, where, I'm like, where do you think where do you think he's going and she's like he's is he going to get baby yoda yes <laughs> just spoil the episode yes he's gonna go save him but in the process like he the mando broke every code now like he 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 took payment for a job and then took the asset back out of some you know moral obligation like he's screwed <laughs> right like he's yeah he's in big trouble he's in he's in deep trouble and i wonder if that's going to be like where the show goes but anyway we're not we're not quite there yet but um did it, was anybody surprised by this when he sh- when he powers down the ship to go on his little rescue mission? No, no, <laughs> because I mean it was I, it's very cl- it was a classic like callback like I feel like the uh, and and it ties up very well like once you watch the full episode you see how well they like did this full callback with that little metal ball at the oh. very beginning of the episode that, Baby yeah. Yoda is playing with it. And then he goes, that's not, I think he literally goes, that's not a toy. And then um, he kind of like takes him by the neck and then puts him, or by by the, by his little robes and puts him away. And then when he, that's when he has like partial armor. And then when he has his full armor, he sees the little ball. And then that's what makes him, he put, he like screws it back on the little knob. And then he decides, no, I'm going to stay. And then he at the end when he did that i was like oh he's gonna go back and get yoda and then yeah. he went and got back and got yoda and i was like oh that's a like that's a visual co- a cue and i was like pew got it and then at the end when he gives the freaking thing to baby yoda to play with and his little hand is reaching up and like oh, that killed and me. it's like literally the freaking cutest thing and i was like yep one two three in a bow and that was like the cutest ending and i was like yeah no, but like in that moment, I knew he was going to go like that was my visual cue. Like 
to me. And I knew that they were going to do that at the end where baby Yoda was going to play with that ball again. And that is what they did. And I was like, thank you, Disney, for giving me what I knew you would give me. (laughs) The moment he looked down and saw that, that, yeah, the the knob from the top of that stick was gone. The Mm -hmm. minute he saw that, you're like, okay, like it's game on now. But that that whole rescue mission, that was, it was Star Wars meets Batman for me. It was also very like, it was also very baby grouped from Guardians of the Galaxy to me, like um, in the best <laughs> way. Like, yes. but it was very baby Groot. Like, it, I, it was that's kind of like the closest, most recent thing that would make me think of of something like that, where they would be playing with a spaceship and like, you know, touching knobs and doing cute things and mm-hmm. yeah, making people go oh. And pressing buttons and that's true like it's, that. it's probably yeah. baby Groot was the last time the world kind of had that like oh my yeah. god i'm Collective dead because like, mm-hmm. yeah. like it and baby Groot was like there was that scene with uh this is nothing to do with star wars but there was a scene with like a bomb and then it was like rocket and baby Groot and they were looking at like different buttons to push and yeah they were like this one <laughs> and then he was like this one and they're like no that one will bo- like blow us all up and like that was the the thing so like the pushing the knob and like touching like unscrewing things like that made me think of baby group because that scene was used in like all of the promos i am yeah yeah yep. many times i am group yeah. yeah i am oh, group like, now yeah <laughs> so it, it really made me it was burned in my brain so um when I saw that, my first Im- immediate visual cue was Baby Groot, and then it was it was oh they're gonna go, and the second immediate thought was oh he's gonna go get Baby Yoda, and then he did that. So, but I, I think yeah. the, the plot really kind of thickens at this like this this rescue mission here where he's up on the roof and he's he's listening in, and of course the the audio is crackling, so we don't get to hear it all, but you get you hear. The clients say extract the necessary material and be done with it. So they're they're taking something out of Baby Yoda, and and Doctor Pershing is kind of protesting and oh we're supposed to deliver it alive. He like whoever they're reporting to, of course the audio crackles and we miss out the name, but they're reporting to somebody big and shady. Uh, so I'm been a conspiracy theory here has anyone else noticed other conspiracy theory things that can happen here at this moment (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we need to talk in like hushed tones now i know you never never know who's listening i know but um no it's uh did anyone else notice uh certain certain symbols on certain yes. doctor's jackets. Yep. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yes. The cloning, mm-hmm. the cloning patch. That's absolutely yeah. there, which is driving us all nuts. Mm-hmm. But what do we make of and... this guy? Like the way that later in, during the rescue mission, the way he kind of like throws himself over baby Yoda, he's like, no, I'm protecting it. Like if I wanted him dead, like he would have been. And or if it wasn't for me, he'd be dead already. Yeah. But I almost want to believe him that he's, whether it's just he's just purely there for the research or he's doing something he thinks he's doing something good like i want to believe that he was thinking of baby yoda's welfare or is he just covering his ass like what do you what are you making of this marie i think that he really is concerned about the baby um i mean yeah he's a scientist and he's 
you know, there's always the whole um, stereotype of the evil scientist, but he doesn't see he when he came out of the office in the first episode, he was all like nervous and and scared. And so I don't think he is a bad guy. I think he's just in a bad situation. And who knows if he's wearing the clone patch that all the other clones wore. What if he's a clone? Yeah, he could be a clone. The first, the first thing I thought of was that he's a clone himself. But then I was like, well, maybe not necessarily. Like he could just be working with the cloners or for them. But it's possible. It's I for sure. They're trying to clone Baby Yoda. It, that's not surprising at all. Like you would. Yeah. If this, you know, if this is coming from the Empire or First Order, you got to think. My my thoughts over the the last week have gone back to Sidious, who of course is making a big return and in a certain movie, he doesn't let things go. Like he obsesses over things and he knew Yoda pretty well. He must have known what made Yoda special or wanted to know about what made he, made Yoda special. So if he thought that there was other Yodas out there, like capturing it would be like job one for him. And of course he's dead, so we think, but maybe there was an order going out years prior that capture one of these, dissect it. Maybe you can use it to bring me back. Who knows? Well, yeah, because at this point they think there's only Yoda and Yaddle that people know of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And basically like, you know, I, and, and the thing, the, the thing that uh, the client said to Dr. Perishing, like over the like thermo, information like over what is it like walkie talkie thing that uh man the mando the, had his whisper 2000 that, yeah, <laughs> his whisper 2000 was extract the necessary materials and be done with it and basically at this point we know that this extraction is a potentially fatal process because he says like if it weren't for me he'd be dead and right. all this stuff and so the client needed Dr. Perishing to extract something from this Yoda species baby. And so, you know, and this Dr. Perishing has the Camino and symbol on his jacket, which, you know, like we know with that, you know, cloning on that planet, like, and that also, if you think about it, you know, Django Fett was there like uh, when Obi-Wan's there and to pursue Jango Fett there. Mm -hmm. And then, and then basically Jango Fett is the father of Boba Fett, which is like the perfect clone of himself. who he raises as a son who is the original iconic Mandalorian. And this is the Mandalorian. So, I mean, <laughs> cloning being on the show isn't kind of too crazy. It's not crazy. And, at all. you know, if he's saying extract, extract the necessary material and be done with it, and I'm also saying at the beginning, like, uh, the client said, you know, like, it's, uh, what is it? Like, um, he, we'd rather him be alive, like, oh, we wanted him in alive, but if for a lesser fee, you can bring him dead. And then uh, the Dr. Perishing says, well, that's not what we agreed upon. Like, no, like, no, you have to bring him alive. Like, at that point, like, if it's your DNA and you want to clone someone, like, technically, like, if you were thinking about a clone. You would want the species, the specimen, to be alive, but you could technically get DNA from like a dead 
specimen and then like take that DNA to clone it. So if they were trying to clone the Yoda series, they wouldn't need this specific Yoda species to be alive. So, I mean, if you think about it, like it is very possible that they maybe they were trying to clone their own Yoda species baby to raise as their own for the empire to combat, you know, the resistance's Yoda so that they can have their own Yoda you know yeah i don't know sure. like my my, my head canon really... my head canon says that they're trying to extract like midi chlorians from baby yoda and then replicate them somehow and then put them into the sith troopers that we find oh. in, in rise of skywalker that's my head canon oh, wow. at the moment nice we know that the the sith troopers come to be now whether or not they're force sensitive remains to be seen it that they're the description of them just makes it sound like they're fanatical Right. Yeah. But they could have some sort of element of, of force sensitivity due to whatever they're doing here, which means maybe they're successful. Or maybe like maybe we saw like they had begun testing on Yoda or whatever it is. Maybe they got part of the information they need. I don't know that they finished testing. But maybe they got something out of, out of, out of the whole thing. And also we know Yoda has been to Camino. Yeah, that's himself. true. Yeah, because he arrives there with the clone army, you know, later. In, uh, <laughs> Yoda, I can imagine Lama Sue or Tanwi grabs, yeah. like, pulls up a little, little bit of Yoda hair. We're going to keep this one little strand of Yoda hair. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be something if it's a Yoda? And he's clone? been there. It's totally possible. Yeah, that like, was there's, fun. yeah. And and they say like and they say you know baby Yoda is technically fifty years old right at the yeah. time of this show, but clones age twice as fast mm-hmm. as regular species in order for them to be able to create more you know uh, for for them to have like the arm in order to create an army in only half a lifetime. So if you do the math, you it's only need right like five years for Yoda to be fifty, right? And all the, like, you don't really know the time period of, like, the Mandalorian, but it's supposed to be, like... Five years after Jedi, I think? Yeah, like, three years between Attack of the Clones and Episode 3, and then 19 years between Revenge of the Sith and Episode 4, and then... right there in that time period. Open Return of the Jedi, and so five years between Return of the Jedi and Mandalorian, which is, like, 25 like 30 years it's right there it's right in that sweet spot baby yoda being 50 twice as fast to be a clone i mean 25 totally couldn't be a clone just that up (laughs) (laughs) theories i'm saying but But, yeah i I wonder what conspiracy (laughs) that's a great theory I, I wonder what is going on there. There seems to be two things going on because the Werner Herzog character doesn't care if this thing lives or dies, but Dr. Pershing is saying, no, this thing needs to be alive. So it seems to be there's two, two, uh, two factions or two leaders at play here. That's interesting to me. And I have, I have no guesses as as to who's doing what. <clears throat> yeah. But the Mando's made up his mind. He he has this great rescue mission, which for me, again, like for me, was totally Batman, like Christopher Nolan Batman, where he just infiltrates 
beats the hell out of people, and extracts uh, the, the little baby, gets out of there, and uh, heading to the Razor Crest, which is like this show just at every turn just screams like another like tribute to a western. And he's like walking through the town, and all the bounty hunters and their fobs start beeping, and they all just start like congregating. Out it was also so John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. That final shootout when they finally when it finally comes to that. It was so good. So intense, so good. Yeah. It was in my life, again, it's another one of those moments where I thought I'd never see this. All when the Mandalorians like the reinforcements come over the rooftop. Oh, that was beautiful. What a, what a sight to see. So I loved it. Oh, man. I, I don't know if, if they just came to help because they knew or if I never saw anything where the Mando kind of pressed a button to say I need help or anything like that. <laughs> I don't care what the answer is. It, it just, to me, it just happened. And it was so good to see all these Mandos in live action like for once. And it's definitely not going to be the last time. I don't think the Mandalorian would have done anything. And also he seems like surprised, like genuinely in the interaction when he talks to um, Paz Vizsla, I guess, uh, when he says, well, now you're going to have to move. Well, now you guys are going to have to move your your base because now like you know one at a they're only allowed to come up one at a time so now they've revealed that there's multiple mandalorians mm -hmm. like so basically they've they've blown up their own spot and so like he would never have probably asked them of that and then he seems genuinely like well now you're gonna have to do this and they're like no this is the way like it's okay like this is what we do for each other like they're very loyal and that yes. way, like, even though they have these disagreements between each other, like, they will lay down for their people, like, and that is just their way, like, and, um, uh, but they would never ask that of each other, I don't think. I think that's just, like, but, but they know that they would do that for one another. I think yeah. that was just kind of, like, um, the kind of vibe I got from from that because it didn't seem to me like he had even he would ask i don't think that they would like it doesn't seem like that seems to be their their the way that they would live like to ask for help would not be if they're because they can't like only one of them is allowed to go out one at a time that is the agreement they make as being a mandalorian and that is like they they tell us that in the very beginning of this episode you know multiple times so you know he wouldn't be able to ask that so he's just like i'm so screwed and then you know he just and then they show up and so he's just he's so um he knows how much how much they're risking in order to do this for him and he knows that he even though he is breaking all of the rules in order to do this like they're they are breaking all of the rules that protect them for him and so like it's just it was just such a like deep moment yeah it was a it was a um, great moment like there was but was, i i really think it was genuine like i don't think that he he asked or pressed anything at all like i just think that that was a truly genuine moment where they just really showed up and it was not expected yeah that's i yeah i, I agree with that i think i think they just 
somehow monitoring things, knowing that there's there's a problem, they need to bail out their their guy, and they did, and they got him out of trouble. And but it the the, the cost is that now they have to flee as well. They they have to leave that mm-hmm. planet and everything behind. So I don't know. <clears> if <throat> the Mando's. I don't know if he's got some sort of debt to pay to them now, or if again like no, that's that's just the way. Like you'll be. At one point, you'll be called upon to bail us out. Who knows? Possibly. Uh, what else? So I, I mean, that really is the end of the episode. We get that moment where he gets <clears throat> he shoots uh, Action Jackson. Nah. I feel like that's that's a slippery scene right there. I can you know that they're not seeing eye to eye, obviously, but we know that Grief Carga, Carga comes back. Like we've seen him in additional I footage. That- I th- I also thought they were just trying to do. I think this episode was like really all about like callbacks and like being clever. And because at the beginning of this episode, they show that like in his like they're talking about when he comes into the the cantina, and then he shows that him like, oh yeah, I got you know my best mm-hmm. girl too, and mm-hmm. like shows it to him. And then later we see like, oh look, he was protected by the best girl we saw right. that he had placed in his chest, like. This episode was so full of those moments. Like there was like f- like four or five instances where there was callbacks. Um, I don't remember who the director of this episode was. Deborah Chow. Their- yeah, Deborah Chow. Um, she's the uh, director who's going to be doing, I think, the Obi Wan series, if I'm not mistaken. The whole thing. Right. Yeah. And and I really like feel like this was kind of like her audition almost to like the fandom of like, hey, this is like who I am and how I'm going to tell a story and I'm really good at it. Um, and I felt like there was a lot of that kind of like, I it was really great, but like to a certain point, it felt a little heavy handed. Like there was a lot of like that last moment, like that's why that last moment with um, with Grief Karga felt a little too much to me because it was just like, look, like I was saved by my best. Like it was just like, I get that he's, we know that he's going to come back later, but it was just like very, it was just like, okay, we're going to have another one of those moments. <laughs> it, where it, it, was, just, it was so in your face that I, now I'm questioning, yeah. did, like, did the Mando shoot him there on purpose to make it, like, to have, like, the, to give other people the illusion that these two had a falling out. And then in, like, episode four or five, whenever we see Karga again, he's going to be like, hey, buddy, like, yeah, that whole thing worked, that tricked, wink, wink, like, we got him. Yeah. Like I, 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 exactly. Because like the whole time when he, because there's this moment, I wrote it down where like, there's this moment where, um, he says, uh, where, where Mando, the Mando says, how do I know I can trust you? And grief cargo goes, because I'm your only hope. And there's a pause in, in the episode. And that's before, he decide that that's before I think he steps in a speedster or something. And, and that moment when he said, because I'm your only hope, like that made me think of Carrie Fisher. And I was just like, Oh, like, mm-hmm. is that like a cue that they're going to like secretly pretend that they're enemies, but they're really not. And then he started really going after him. So it's like, okay, wait, maybe I was wrong. But if that's the case and they were really like pulling it out, like maybe they are going to be like, Oh yeah. Like, wink wink like you know i did say because i'm your only hope but like they wouldn't know that like you know that you know that carrie fisher princess leia would be that because i'm your only hope is a 
it's play a callback. That's, that's strictly for like, us. For us, like it is. So like, but you know, Star Wars isn't stupid. Like they wouldn't put something that heavily lore based in for no reason in that specific wording where where Mando would say, how do I know I can trust you? And he goes, because I'm your only hope. I don't know mm. if I'm reading too deeply into it, but that <laughs> moment made me pause my TV and write it down in my phone. So like it felt very like heavy handed to me. And especially because this moment felt like there were a lot of like moments where it felt very like this is a moment like pay attention like so. Um, it felt very like that because in that moment, I really remember like questioning like, oh, is is this is he pretend is he trying to like alert to us that he's secretly just going to pretend that he's his enemy, but he's really just like, you know, doing. He's, like, yeah, he's dupe. trying to get himself out of the situation, too. Yeah. Is he trying to prank everyone? I mean, like we're pranking each other. <laughs> like, just like, I'm, I'm no. right there with you. What, what's your what's you your. Know? Are you are you on that wavelength as well, Marie, or do you see it differently? I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind. Like <laughs> I'm just kind of sitting here in awe right now about how deeply um the connections y'all are making. <laughs> I... <laughs> Said nobody ever. <laughs> but... <laughs> I I don't know. I guess I've, for the most part, haven't really dug deep into the meaning behind everything and the connections with everything in this series. I've just kind of taken it at face value. That's healthy. That's so <laughs> healthy, though. Like, <laughs> so, okay, so I wish I could watch stuff like that though <laughs> well with, with star, it's like star wars kind of begs you in a way to to pick it apart like this and to see what you can extract out of it but right. to, we'll, we'll find out starting starting this coming week um but let's I, just to speculate before they answer it for us where where is the mando taking the child is is this sort of like going to be an ongoing thing where he protects this baby for the next five episodes or is he going to bring it back to his people, which would be insane? It's going to be like, look, it's oh going to be like a Thelma and Louise or like a, what is it? Logan or <laughs> where it's like, they're just going to go off together or it's like uh, a one man and a baby. Because <laughs> you, you got it. I, I think it'd be weird if he just kept the baby around for the rest of the season trying to like i feel like that would weigh down this series if you if all he had to do was yeah. just like keep this thing from being recaptured but what? i mean how many episodes do we have six there's eight in total eight. we have five left to go five left three do we th know the title of episode four we do not but i have the synopsis for the next three episodes if if you want to read them oh man they're gonna be so descriptive <laughs> they have they have given us the shortest vaguest synopses ever here's here's the synopsis for episode four which is directed by bryce dallas howard which will also be awesome 
uh, the Mandalorian teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a village from raiders. And that ex-soldier is Cara Dune. So she will be making her premiere this week. Yeah, one of the things we learned from, I think, that a press thingy, and we learned that Bryce Dallas Howard was the director who introduces uh, the Cara Dune character. Mm-hmm. So that's coming up. That's this week. Episode 5, that's December 6th, directed again by Dave Filoni. The Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. And then episode 6 on December 13th, uh, again by Rick Famuyuma. I forget his... Is that, I think that's how you pronounce his name. The Mandalorian joins a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. None of this, to me, says with baby in tow. Right? Like, you are you going to join a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission with baby Yoda? Like, to me, yes. he's... <laughs> Absolutely. I think at some point he's going to drop the baby off somewhere safe. Maybe with um, Nick Nolte Pigman. That's exactly what I was thinking. I love him. I want to see him again. I love him. Wouldn't that be something? Like, I and enjoy- I have spoken. Oh, yes! I love him. <laughs> I could see that happening. He's going back to, to uh, Arvanus. Well, would he take the baby back to that same planet, though? I don't know. It seems like tempting fate. Yeah. But he's, those, those little synopsis, to me, don't feel like baby yoda's in tow which will be terrible but also good for baby yoda to not be in that trouble anymore what if they don't don't reveal the secrets behind it all until season two Mm. like there'll be a cliffhanger on the end of episode eight where it's like you think everything's going to be revealed and everything's going to make sense with the baby and the cloning and all that. And then they just wait until season two to actually tell you oh anything. Oh my god, I will literally, literally, <laughs> literally, no. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? That would be no. Awful. <laughs> no. Then everyone will unsubscribe. <laughs> I, I do feel like you can't that, do that. I, I felt like episode three did kind of put an end to this little three episode arc. It really did. It felt like a little like comic arc where it was like, and that run is done. We're end. gonna start yeah. our next run. Um, but it it totally leaves the fate of of Baby Yoda up in the air. Like, what does the Mando do with him? Like, if he's bringing him back home, where is home? Like. You can't gloss over that. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine that we'll ever see. To, to, like, to me, like, when the Mando says, I don't know what this thing is. Like, I don't understand what just happened here. When it's when it saved him from the Mudhorn. Like, to me, he seems like he's totally clueless to everything. Like, the Forest Jedi, does he even know what they are? I have no idea. Well, I mean, they did reference the New Republic right in this episode where they said like you should go report the empire to the new republic or whatever (laughs) so maybe yeah yeah, but maybe we'll learn more about what's going on there i feel like like this this species like nobody knows anything about them Mm -hmm. but yet they somehow some somebody and that gang of ruffians (laughs) they had the baby how did they come to have it? 
you know, like maybe he's gonna find out next. Maybe where he maybe that's maybe he makes his mission. Like who's who's doing this? Maybe that's he the backdrop it. of season two, where he finds out what these guys were doing with or what they want with with Baby Yoda. So I, you know, I I can't let this happen. So he goes uh, to make sure that never happens. Well, if he's going to be with an ex-soldier in the next episode, maybe they're going to get, like, Baby Yoda into, like, a Fort Knox type of, like, hideaway to hide him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I can't imagine that Mando knows. Like, It's not like he can just be like, hey, hey, little guy, where are you from? And he's going to say, oh, Planet X. Maybe that's yeah. Car- that. Maybe that's this Cara Dunn character's like job to take care of Baby Yoda because she's an ex soldier. Maybe Perhaps. she's a bodyguard. Although it's going to be tough to uh, carry a baby around when she's got that Im- like massive assault rifle, <laughs> which <laughs> well, I can't baby wait Yoda. to see her use. Yeah, true. <laughs> or, or maybe they have like you know maybe they have like a. Uh, a rocket raccoon and Groot two. moment. Yeah, like Groot, like Baby Yoda's on top of Cara Dune's shoulders while she goes buck wild with the gun. <laughs> that would be pretty nuts. Maybe Baby Yoda learns how to float without passing out. <laughs> yeah. Aww. All right. Well, I, I, I think we're done with this, uh, this episode. I, I loved every minute of it. A little, I did too. A little heavy-handed, but I think Deborah Chow absolutely crushed it. I'm so yeah. It was fantastic. It was amazing. Before I, I got it was, to, sorry, go ahead, Marie. I thought it was interesting how the first two episodes had a lot of humor in them, and this episode didn't really have much humor at all. But it was still so good. Like it had a different sort of tone to it, but it was still so so good. Yeah, because like episode two had the the Jawa chase, which yeah. you know people made the comparison that the Jawas felt a lot like the minions, which uh, make, which mm, makes a lot makes of sense. But you know, they had some go- like Star Wars goofiness in episode two, and episode one had a couple of of humor moments, but this one really didn't. Yeah, but it, it's it felt like a great episode to me. And yeah, I'm, absolutely. Like, the only thing I heard before I got to see the episode myself, the only thing I saw on my Twitter timeline was. I feel so much, I feel even better now about the Kenobi series because of, uh, because of Deborah mm, Chow. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like, what happens in this episode? And I, coming out of it, I go, yep, I, I can't wait to see what she does with this. And I, I love that it's the same. I love that she's getting, I think it's six episodes for Kenobi. I, I'm, I'm glad that they're not moving it around. I'm glad that she gets the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it will be good. I think she's very good at storytelling and she understands the like what what are what's needed to tell an effective story and how you do it and she has the like basics down and like she really knows what she's doing and um I think it's she's just really going to knock it out of the park I think. Absolutely. Can I I couldn't agree more. I think it's going to be so so good. I can't wait to start seeing those first production stills from the set of Kenobi. Oof. What a time to be alive though. Man, like when you think about the stuff we covered this week with with EW and Rolling Stone, the comics, Resistance Reborn, The Mandalorian, we covered a lot of ground this week. Yeah. Like, 
and and there's there was still like we could have talked about so much more we just don't <laughs> have time and we've done we're here two hours now it's crazy like <laughs> wow i i can't believe the like the how much food we're star wars is giving us it's craziness oh my god i'm so full <laughs> <laughs> it's a very true thanksgiving it's, yeah it's a very apropos sign off considering it's oh, thanksgiving week for you so guys <laughs> all right but that is going to do it for this week if you guys want to be a part of the podcast send your questions to tumblingsaber at gmail.com i know we've got some listener questions that we've been sort of piling up and that we've just had so much to talk about lately that uh, we have not had a chance to to, to really get into them uh, but james and adam we will get to your questions in an upcoming episode i promise uh, if you want to help us out you can share this podcast with your friends uh, leave us a review and become a powerful friend on Patreon for the uh, exclusive and early access podcasts, which you can find more about at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. And a shout out to our good friend Rob Wade over at E14 for endorsing this episode of the Tumbling Saber, which you can learn more about at emotionally14.com. Uh, Rob's got a great thing going over there with uh, endor- endorsing some really cool podcasts. So go check that out. And uh, be sure to check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. You can check out our home base, StarWarsCommonwealth.com, or on Apple Podcasts as a podcast provider. So that's it, everybody. Uh, With all that out of the way, Marie, where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Alia Morgan on Twitter. And you can find my reviews of pretty much everything now. So TV shows and books and comics um, on the starwarsreview.blogspot.com. And then I write some reviews and other articles for beyondtheblastwars.com. Awesome. You're, I think you've been pretty busy lately. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm like... I, I'm trying to keep up with everything. I do those threads now where it's like five comics. That it's like so much. So much. And there's so much more still to come. And next month, when we when we meet again, we're going to have the, the wrap-up of, of Mandalorian. We're going to have Marvel Comics to talk about. We're going to be one week out from after Rise of Skywalker. We are going to have so much to talk about when we next get together. I can't wait. Amazing. Uh, Michelle, where do we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at tediously underscore brief and on Facebook at Michelle Grandine. And then also uh, you can find my uh, bookstagram where I talk about all things books and comics and movies and things like that on uh, Instagram at traveling book nerds that's all one word um yeah that's it i think (laughs) (laughs) you think (laughs) you never know you never know i never know you know it's it's always changing and growing and adding on who knows it's never enough (laughs) Uh, you can find me at tumbling saber on instagram on twitter and in our closed facebook group come uh, come knock on the door and we'll let you in and we'll talk about star wars all day long it's been crazy it's only going to get crazier and we're looking forward to what december has to offer uh so that's it everybody we'll see you again next week in another episode and until then everybody have a great week and may the force be with you bye bye Static draws me closer to your place.
fall away signs blindly to the lions on your face beating strong drifting not relive this dream Are you running away? 